This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 23rd, 2011. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I got to tell you, Alan, that was really tempting to pass the sermon off to you because she fell asleep in my arms. Now, grandmothers who know, there's not much better feeling than that is there, but The truth is, I am so excited to be here today. I have been wound up all morning because this... That is true. I have been jumping around. Oh, my chain just fell off down my shirt. (laughs) Okay. So I have been jumping around so much that it just kind of came off. But anyway... I'm so excited because today we're talking about something that is oh so important, a scripture that we can live our life by, that we need to live our life by, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. And I'm Alan. I'm just as excited as Carrie. I just keep mine more internalized. True. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to serve you and speak to you this morning. Would you pray with us, please? God, we, we thank you for a great day and for everybody who is here this morning. Open us up, Lord, whether it's the first time that we've sat, been in church for a long time or ever, or whether we've been sitting in seats for our whole life, but open us up so that we might hear something new, something fresh, and, and experience you in a way that gives us the fuel that we need for the week. Mm. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm not quite sure how to transition from your excitement. Well, I'll just have to do it. Okay. Because we're going to talk about funeral here for a minute, so we're going to kind of shift here. When, when we do a funeral service, um, as I say often, I guess always, we, we try to find scripture that will bring comfort to the, to the people who, there who are, are dealing with their grief, who are dealing with loss. And, you know, almost without fail, we would use the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 because they're such comforting pieces of scripture. But... Almost always as well, we use um, a a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, says the Lord. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty comforting passage, I think. It brings comfort, and, and that's what Jesus intended it to do. I'm not sure it was necessarily for our funerals, though. Actually, he was, he was trying to bring comfort to his disciples as he was preparing them for his funeral, for his crucifixion, for his, his, uh, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He was, he was preparing them for life without him, at least life physic- without him physically being there. He was preparing them, actually, what was going to happen later that same day in which he said this, and the following day. 
And so, placing this scripture in context, Jesus said these things to his disciples after he washed their feet, after they had shared the Last Supper together, after, just after, he had told them that he wouldn't be with them much longer. It's also just after Peter pledged to give his life to the Lord, and Jesus told him that Peter would disown him three times before the rooster crowed the next morning. And so Jesus has been trying to tell them what was going to happen. And here, he tries to comfort them about what is to come, to let them know that he is indeed leaving them, that he was going to prepare a place for them, and that they know the place where he is going. Mm. And then Thomas speaks up. Thomas, uh, he's the same guy who, after the resurrection, went there and he had to, he had to see the nail hold. He had to see where Jesus was. We call him Doubting Thomas. Have you heard that expression of Doubting Thomas? It comes from this guy, Doubting Thomas. I'm not sure it's fair, though. I'm not sure that's a fair name. Uh, Perhaps a better name would be something like, say what everyone else is thinking but afraid to say, Thomas. (laughs) That would be hyphenated, I think. Kind of long, though, if you're introducing him to to a large crowd. Maybe, how about this one? I'm not going to pretend I get it when I really don't, Thomas. Still kind of long, isn't it? How about painfully truthful Thomas? There you go. (laughs) And so when Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going, Thomas responds by saying, Lord, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Can you just put yourself in that scene and and see and listen to what's happening. I mean, you've got to love Thomas. He's the one with the guts to say what everyone else was thinking at this point, probably, because they apparently are clueless. Jesus had been telling and and sharing, and they still don't get it, and I probably would not have either. They don't understand what Jesus had been telling them over and over and over again. And so the scripture that we're focused on today is chapter 14 of John's Gospel, but let's just backtrack to chapter 7, because in chapter 7 he says that he'll be with them just a little bit longer, and then he'd be going to the one who sent him. They didn't get it then, and they really don't get it now. Uh, they, they, they didn't get that when they seemed to even understand less when he, in this passage, 14 talks about Many rooms, what's that all about? A house with many rooms and preparing a place for them? They're just not getting it. And so it it really doesn't make sense when Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Sorry, (laughs) no, we don't know where you're going, so we obviously don't know the way. And then (coughs) Jesus responds with perhaps one of the most powerful statements in all of scripture. Jesus responds by saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's say that together. I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a scholar, his name is William Barclay, and he claims that this once, in this one statement, Jesus takes the three great conceptions of Judaism and he makes this tremendous claim. Three things in this one statement, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to unpack that right now. So let's start with the way. According to this guy Barclay, the Jews talked a lot about the path or the way that people should follow for righteousness as well as the ways of God. Example, Moses told the people after sharing the Ten Commandments, he told them this, so be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in all the, the way. way that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And then the prophet Isaiah says this, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in <coughs> that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Yeah. And then how about uh, we find in, um, uh, what is it, Psalm, in the Psalms, uh, maybe you can share this with me, everybody. Teach, Teach me, me your way, way O Lord, Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. And so the Old Testament, those are the th three scriptures that we use. The Old Testament is full of references to the way. And so the Jews would be very familiar with the way, the way, the way that leads to righteousness, the way that leads to God. Jesus then tells the disciples, I am the way, I am the way. Okay, and so what does that really mean when Jesus says he is the way? Well, let's, let's use an example. Let's say you're out cutting your grass, probably wouldn't be this afternoon, but maybe when it gets warmer. And, um, and let's say a guy or a gal pull up and stop and they say, can you tell me how to get to Christy Animal? Well, you walk over the car, you kind of lean in, and you verbally give them some directions. So in other words, you could tell them the way. That's not bad, but Sometimes telling is one thing, but showing is even better. Maybe you just happen to have a map in your pocket, and you open it up, and you show them the way. What's it? And let's say they're not quite getting you. say, all right, I wanted to go to the mall. And you, I, I got some time to kill. And you jump in the car and say, I'll, I'll show you the way. Come on, let's go. So you're going with them and showing them as you go. That, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus even goes one better. I mean, he does tell and he does show, but even better than that, what he says is he is the way. In other words, he's not just giving us, he is the path to righteousness. He is the path that we take to God the Father. He is the path to the life that God promised us when God first thought of us. He is the way. And he is not only the way, but he is truth. Truth. And so we find truth in the scriptures about 
214 times. Truth is essential in our walk with God. We find in, in the Psalms, we find this. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Or how about Psalm 145, 18? The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so there are many who talk about the truth, many who preach about the truth, many who hold firmly, hold to the truth. And yet, in our humanness, not one of us embodies the truth. Not one of us embodies the truth, no matter how good we are, no matter how much we talk about it or you know, have these actions, not one of us can embody the truth. You know, we live in a world in which um, many, people, many people believe in something called relative truth. Maybe you've heard that term, relative truth. Relative truth is an interesting thing because it changes depending on the situation, depending on the circumstance. It's like, well, it's true in this case, but... See, relative truth always has a but or an if clause in it. Oh, well, it's true in this... If this is so, but if it, then it changes, you see? It, it's relative. It, it, it's, it's relative depending on the situation. And, and, and the trouble with relative truth, as I, as I see it, is this. If it's truly relative truth that's constantly changing, is that really the truth at all? Is that really true? On the other hand... Absolute truth does exist. Absolute truth does exist in the person of Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus is more than just the one who speaks the truth, more than, than the one who lives the truth. Many live the truth. Many speak the truth. But Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. When we talk about truth, we are talking about Christ. When we wonder if something is true or not, as those who profess Jesus as the leader of our lives, we need to put that measure against Christ. Is that what Christ would do? Is that what Christ would say? Christ is the gauge. Christ is the scale. Jesus, and only Jesus, is the truth, the absolute truth. And so we have this... Um, for the mathematicians in the room, here's absolute truth. Jesus equals truth. Truth equals Jesus. Mm. And so Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the life. Um, our daughters, Megan and Devin, played soccer in high school. And I, I think it was Devin had a t-shirt once that said, soccer is life. And the rest is just details. Anybody seen, maybe it's baseball, football, the sports. Anybody seen those? Maybe if you're at the yeah. beach, you see them in the windows down there. I got thinking about that shirt when we were doing the message. Soccer is life. And, and then, just so happened, I, I was going through, a, I have a gazillion t-shirts. I was getting rid of some. And I went out in the car to the ones I was getting ready to take to the Goodwill, and I, and I found my shirt. It's a little different. It's not a sport. 
It says Christ is life. The rest is just details. And see, this is the shirt that really counts. Not that soccer's unimportant. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Soccer's a good sport. So is baseball. So they're, they're fine. But they truly aren't life, are they? When you really get down to it. Christ is life. And the rest is just details. So we find life in Scripture about 560 times approximately. And that's a lot of life. And you see, in the Scripture, it would make sense that life is so many times in Scripture because the Scripture talks to us all about life. All about life. Life. From the very beginning, God scooped the dirt up and blew life into the dirt to create all humankind. Life. Well, pretty quickly we managed to mess that up. And so now God's primary action, primary desire is to reconcile us back to that life that God wants for us when God first thought of us. That's what this whole thing's about. You know, God has wired us to seek the life he has in mind for us, a life in which we are in relationship with God. And, and God will and does do everything possible to see that we have that life, even to the point of sacrificing his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, if that's what it takes, which it did, <laughs> which he did. And in that sacrifice, Jesus doesn't just give us life, he is the life. It's in him that, that we have the life that God intends for us, new life. We read in the scripture where it says, the old is gone, the new has come. The new life in Christ. Jesus is that new life in me, in you, in us. Jesus lives and brings new life to us. And the reason is because he is life. <laughs> the rest is just details. So after Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he says something that is pretty big. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice that in this scripture, Jesus doesn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. What does he say? I am the truth, the way, the life. I am it. It is through Christ and through Christ alone that we have a way to be with the Father. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we know the truth. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we are given life. It is Christ and Christ alone who is our salvation. It is Christ and Christ alone who came to this earth to redeem our lives, to save us from ourselves. It is Christ and Christ alone who sacrificed his best, God's own son, for you and me so that we might have life and have it abundantly. It is Christ and Christ alone who came so that we might have eternity 
with God and his son, Jesus Christ, and the power. We would have eternal life with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we live in, in um, uh, something referred to as the pluralized world. Pluralized world means that um, we have a lot of options. And, and, and a pluralized world means a lot of people believe a lot of different things. As a world in which, as we said before, uh, many believe truth is a relative thing, depending on circumstance and situation. It's a world in which, a pluralized world is a world in which uh, people believe that there are many paths to God. And they believe that all those paths have value and that they are all equal. That's what a pluralized world is. A world in which many believe that it really doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you believe something. That's a world that's kind of confusing. It's a world that's kind of mixed up. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be thanks to Jesus because Jesus the Christ brings clarity. Jesus brings order. Jesus brings truth. We know that through him it does matter what we believe. It does matter because it determines our choice. It determines how we're going to live and what we're going to choose. And it's important to choose Christ because he is the way to the Father. No one can come to the Father except through Christ. And Christ is life. And all Christ wants to do is to reconcile us so that we can be free to live the life that God intended for us when God blew life into your lives. And so we have to choose. We have to choose. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, well, that's okay. Anything goes. All paths lead to God. This path, this path. This. And all paths have equal value. You can't b believe that and take that and also say, okay, Jesus, I follow you. The, who says, I'm the way, truth, life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't have it both ways. Now, a lot of scripture is and both. I love that. It's, it's not, a lot of scripture is and both, but this isn't. This is not an and both. This is an either or. It's pretty cut and dry. It is either this or it's this. They don't, they're mutually exclusive, aren't they? And that doesn't mean that we would hate or absolutely discard people who see it other than we do, who would say there are many paths. But it does say we need to hold firmly to what Christ tells us and not get confused and caught up in what the world would want us to believe. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We, we have to choose. And if we don't choose, we've chosen. Not choosing is a choice. Because you're either Christ follower or not. You either believe what he said or you don't. 
It can't be both ways. It kind of reminds me of, of the words of Joshua in the 24th chapter. We love this, this section of the Old Testament. Because Joshua found himself much in a, similar, a situation much like what we find ourselves in today. Israel was surrounded by other people who believed many other things and, and other gods, other ways of, of, of worshiping God, other ways of living in, in, in the gods that they followed. <clears throat> and and, and un, unfortunately, uh, some of the people of Israel, many in fact, got kind of confused and caught up in some of these other beliefs, just like it's so easy sometimes for us to get caught up in what the world would say, oh, many paths are okay. And so there's so many in the Israel nation that were uh, having trouble being focused on God and the way to God and, and where God would call us to be, that Joshua one day took and shared some very God-centered words of wisdom with them. And this is what he said. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Say the rest with me. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. Mm. Choose this day who it's going to be. As I said before, we have to make a choice. And what's interesting is once we make that choice, we don't want to exclude people who are choosing otherwise because in our choice, we're being called to offer them our choice, aren't we? Carrie has a, a great picture in, her, in the office at home that pre, our previous church gave her. It's a, a picture of a boat, and actually it's John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement in England, stepping out of the boat with some other guys. And, and see, Wesley, his whole life was, was, was offering people Jesus Christ, and especially the least, the last, and the lost. He especially worked with the miners who couldn't get to church on Sunday. He preached to them right out in the field because he wanted to connect with everybody and he wanted to offer them Christ. That's what the painting's called, Offer Them Christ. And so in our choosing, we don't choose to exclude and to, to be exclusionary, but we choose so that then we can be inclusionary. So we choose and then we offer. Does that make sense? We choose the one who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and then we offer that to those who don't know that yet, who don't realize that, who don't have the idea that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we don't offer by coming on so strong that it alienates people. We don't offer by putting people at arm's length. That's not, we offer by our actions many times. Francis of Assisi, you know, says, use words that Use words if necessary, but it's by our actions. It's, it's really cool. Back um, a number of weeks ago when Alan and I were praying about Jabez 365, 
Uh, we have a prayer focus for each week. It's in your program, at the bottom of your program. We, we hope that everybody collectively prays the prayer focus for the week. The week of January 23rd is this. Pray for increased opportunities to be a light in our community. Now, we didn't know that we were going to say this today when we put this on this page. I just think it's cool how God ties us together and sends this, this echo that repeats and repeats and repeats. And those of you who attend Segway, you know what I'm talking about. It's not too late to come on Wednesday night, by the way. But we hope that you will pray for increased opportunities to be a light in our community as we share in various ways, I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. And by the way, if you don't have one of these sheets with all the prayer focus, I think there's some available out at the guest services um, when you leave. And so we're called to, to offer them Christ, but before we do that, we have to choose. We can't offer them something that we haven't chosen, can we? And so our question for you today is this. Who do you choose? Today, who do you choose? Um, do you choose that Jesus is your way to the Father? Do you choose that Jesus is your truth? Do you choose that Jesus is your life? Who will you choose this day, not tomorrow, not next, today, who's your choice? As for us and our household, we, we choose Jesus. How about you? How about you? Let's pray. Holy God, wow. I just celebrate that you give us choice. It's a shame we make bad ones so often. I guess that's why we need Christ, because of the bad choices we make. I pray, Lord, that each one here will know your very presence here this morning, and that before any of us leave, we, we choose. And my hope is that we choose Christ. I, I pray that you would visit your Holy Spirit on those who don't know him as Lord and Savior, who don't have a personal relationship who don't realize that he is the way, the truth, and life. I, I would pray that your Holy Spirit would visit each one here this morning. Bring them to the front. Bring them to the prayer corner. Bring them to their seat. Bring them to their knees. Bring them, bring them a relationship with Jesus Christ before they leave here this morning, holy God. Those who do know Jesus, I would pray that you would draw us ever closer. That we wouldn't just give lip service, but we would truly have a relationship. That we would know he is the way to you, that Jesus, you are the way and the truth and the life, that you would be our life, and that we would know that to the very core of our being. Please help each of us to know you, uh, holy Jesus, in a way that we didn't before we came here this morning. I pray this in your precious holy name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. 
You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.